Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, fellow citizens, even non-citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And I hope, like me, you are joyous, you are overjoyed, because this week God gave us a great gift. And I want to open the show by thanking all of you, all of you, the tens of thousands of you who prayed for God to influence the Supreme Court to take up the appeal by Jake Lang and other prisoners of the obstruction of an official proceedings charge, the bogus obstruction of an official proceedings charge, which they did this week. It was like a, a, a bolt of lightning out of a clear blue sky, totally unexpected. Uh, we were told that it was going to be January 5th now before they decided what if they would take this case up or not. And then, bang, there it was. And it was just so wonderful. You know, and, and during the, the, you know, there was two dates, and Monday was one of the dates where they were, quote, unquote, looking to see if they were going to accept this appeal or not. And I, I texted Jake Lang. I said, Jake, tens of thousands of people are praying right now. You, the members of the We the People Convention from all over the country in all 50 states, were praying, and God felt that it was just, and, and the Supreme Court is now taking this up. I can't thank you guys enough. I, I want you to celebrate this. And we're going to talk a little bit later about what this means because it means a lot more than most people know, okay? But I just, you know, we, we talk on this show a lot, but we take action. Every week I ask you, you know, to do things to protect and defend our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. And you do it. And because you do it, we get results. And this week, God rewarded us in a in a big way, and listen, I don't I don't need any more Christmas gifts. Tell Nan and the kids they don't have to get me anything. I got I got what I wanted for Christmas. The fact that the Supreme Court is taking up this case is unbelievably important to our cause, which is what to restore our nation and the rule of law. That's what this case is about, and and so it it just couldn't be better. I, I want you to feel that, okay? I want you to feel that. I want you to turn, if you're with your husband or wife or somebody else, turn them and smile. Give them a high five. This is a big deal. And it was a very interesting week, and we're going to talk about it. For those who are new to the podcast, thank you. Thank you for joining with us. Because you know, we are here to protect and defend our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity against the tyrants who want to have the state rule over us. That's what we do here. And it's a news you know, recap show. So what we're trying to do here today, if you're new, is we're trying to ex- tell you about things that happened this week that are important, that are true, that actually affect you and your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. And then we talk about what actions we can take to affect those news stories and get more freedom and liberty uh, instead of less. Uh, for you know those of you who've been with us for a long time, God, I can't tell you how much I love you and appreciate you guys. I uh, saw a bunch of Porridge County Tea Party members at the uh, uh, Republican Party of Porridge County uh, bought a, uh, got a new headquarters, and it's fantastic. For those of you in Porridge County, it's great to see 
a lot of our old members there. And, and if you're out and about, it's right between uh, Kent and Ravenna on State Route 59 across from the Walmart where the old AAA used to be. Stop in and see Amanda Suffolk, the chairman of the Republican Party of Porch County, who used to be the president of the Porch County Tea Party, and congratulate her and, and get behind their efforts. But folks, you know, it, it's, it's an important time and we're going to fight a lot of fights in the next 12 months. We're not going to win them all. We're going we're gonna to have setbacks. We're going to have to get back up and keep fighting because it's all on the line right now. But this week, we got a big win, and, um, and I'll explain that to you in a little bit. For those of you who are new to the show, you see the flag flying upside down. That is not a sign that we disrespect our nation or our flag. We love our nation and our flag. It is a signal to our fellow citizens that we are in dire distress of extreme danger to our life and our property, literally. And we will show you that, give you examples of that in this podcast as we do all the rest. But it's basically, and if you want to know more about, just go to wethepeopleconvention.org and look up a flag upside down. And you'll find an eight-minute video there with uh, Gordon Chang talking about we're at war with China. And I'll have a follow-up story later in the podcast about that. And most Americans don't understand all that's going on is being orchestrated by China so they can destroy the United States and become the preeminent power in the world and enslave us. That's what we're fighting. So that's why the flag's upside down. Now, we begin our podcasts every week with a, you know, a prayer for the January 6th political prisoners. And, and I, uh, you know, for those of you who've been with us for a long time, I thank you for giving the money that you've given to help support their legal defense, uh, you know, to help support the families. Uh, it's just been terrific. For those of you who are new, we, why do we focus on the January 6th political prisoners? Because they are the symbol of what's wrong with our country. They are the symbol of government tyranny, of the suspension of the rules of law. They are the symbol of what we're fighting, and that is ruled by men, not by law. We are bullying, being ruled by evil men and William, women like Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, Jim Comey, all the rest of them, and, and we're trying to reestablish the rule of law. These poor souls who, are in, you know, who any of us could be in their shoes are, are being persecuted to try to scare us and to keep us from fighting. Okay, and we're not going to stop fighting for liberty. We can never stop fighting for our freedom and for our great country. So we pray every week for the prisoners so that they can can handle the ordeal, they can keep their sanity, they can keep their health, that they can stay strong, and for their families that they will stay with them and 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 not you know forsake them, and for you know their attorneys so that they will find a way to go forward and get justice. We will not rest until the January 6th political prisoners, the ones who didn't do anything, okay, who are being persecuted, until they get justice, meaning they're released, they're given compensation, and the people who've tortured them in jail, who've, who've abused the law, the criminal prosecutors and judges who broke the law to persecute them, until they're all charged and in prison, we will not have reestablished the rule of law, reestablished the rule of law, and that's our goal. So join me right now, and let's just say a prayer 
for the January 6th political prisoners. Thank you very much. Please keep them in your prayers every day, every day, because they could that could be you. Let me tell you, that could be you. And quite frankly, if we don't win and reestablish the rule of law and apply the rule of law to the people who's taken over our government at every level and start to drive them out by applying real law to them, we're all going to be slaves. We're all going to be persecuted by the government for our political beliefs. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. There's no place to hide, folks. There's no place to run. You think they don't know who you are? They know who you are, and they're coming for you. So you only have one choice. That's to defeat them. And you should spend everything you've got to defeat these people, because otherwise, they're going to destroy you and your family and your life. That's just the facts. So why are we joyous? What is so exciting about this? Supreme Court takes up appeal of bogus obstruction of an official proceedings charge. Okay? So what does this mean? The Supreme Court on Wednesday said it will hear an appeal that could upend hundreds of charges stemming from the Capitol uh, riot, including against former President Donald Trump. The justices will reveal an appellate court ruling that revived the charge against three defendants accused of obstructing an official proceedings. The charge uh, refers to the disruption of Congress's certification of Joe Biden's 2020 presidential election victory over Trump. That's that's among four counts uh, that among four counts brought against President Trump by special counsel Jack Smith's case that accuses the 2024 Republican presidential primary frontrunner of conspiracy to overturn the results of his election loss. Trump is also charged with conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. So this appeal by Jake Lang and others is affecting Donald Trump's case because he was charged with the same charge. The court's decision to weigh in on the obstruction charge could threaten the start of Trump's trial currently scheduled for March 4th. The justices separately are considering whether to rule quickly on Trump's claim that he can't be prosecuted for actions taken within his role as president. Federal George has already rejected that argument. The obstruction charge has been brought against more than 300 defendants in the massive uh, federal prosecution following the deadly insurrection on January 6th. Now, again, this is from uh, Reuters, okay, excuse me, thehill.com, and they say the deadly insurrection. That's a lie. The only people killed on January 6th were patriots. Five patriots, Roseanne Boylan, Ashley Babbitt, Five patriots were killed by the police, by the state, by the government. The rioters didn't kill anybody, okay? But this is how they slant it, and that's you gotta you gotta reject that in your mind, and when you talk to people, you gotta point that out. So the you know, the massive federal prosecution following the deadly insurrection on January 6, 2021, when a mob of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol in a bid to keep Biden a Democrat from taking the White House. That's also not true. They didn't storm the White House, the, the Capitol, to stop Joe Biden you know, from becoming president. They were there to demand that Congress and the vice president look at the results to determine if they were fair. That's a different thing. Okay? And the second part of that is 
They stormed the Capitol, but the evidence is showing that they were let in, and they were not only were they let in, that there were federal agents who were basically instigating it. And as Julie Kelly, and I talked to you last week, that you should watch the Julie Kelly, Devin Nunes video uh, from last week, where Julie Kelly says, what you're going to see in the January 6th video is that the peaceful protesters started fighting back because they were attacked by the police. That's what she's going to see. But we haven't seen it yet because the video is trickling out. Mike Johnson said they're going to release it all. House Speaker Mike Johnson. And there's like 80 hours replaced that's out out of 40,000, 44,000. But a big story came out this week from Laura Logan, who's been doing some incredible investigation on this. And this I never heard. So I want to share this video with you now. At the last hearing where you... um addressed Christopher Ray. you produced a photograph of what you called ghost buses. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Your point really was that there were unmarked vehicles full of individuals that have not been explained. Is that right? A ghost vehicle in law enforcement is not an uncommon reference. It's, it's a vehicle that's been purposefully concealed to, to whereby it's not easy to identify. So no license plate's been painted over from its original cover. In this case, these two buses were totally painted white in like a, a cheap, fast overspray over all of the markings. So when you have two charter buses show up the very first buses to show up in Union Station on January 6th. Around 5 a.m.? Around 5 a.m. Initial witness, another charter bus owner, arrived at, at 5.20. He thought he would be the first to arrive because he knew the schedule of all the other charter buses, and he knew that most of the buses would begin arriving around 6. So this charter bus operator was a very experienced man, very squared away. When he arrived with his couple of buses, these two white buses were, were, to his surprise, already there. And he immediately noticed that there was, these buses were odd because they were totally painted over. It was a bad paint job. There was no markings, no phone numbers, no company name, totally outside the parameters of the way charter buses are required to operate and by law. So he said, these buses are weird, and no one was getting out. So something else that happens within that charter bus driver community is the drivers know each other. And the passengers may stay on a bus if they're, if they're especially in a parking lot. They're not ready to disembark yet. Sure. The passengers might stay on a bus, but the bus drivers get off, and they talk to each other. They talk to the other bus drivers. So there are things that happen it, normally that the absence of that happening was odd. So he was suspicious enough of these buses as a professional that he collected some digital evidence of those buses and then estimated with him and, and other eyewitnesses between 40 and 50 guys that they described as Trump supporters. They all disembarked from the bus and they gathered in front of, of the two buses and they had like some kind of discussion or briefing, like the way 
a military leader would address his troops. Yeah, they call it a huddle. And then they together went to the escalators and up in the Union Station and were gone. And they were all men. They were all men in all the Trump regalia. These were men were in really good shape. They made comments like, wow, that's, that's a real serious Trump supporters, these guys. And, and it said they all had uh, elbow pads and knee pads, and um, they, they appeared like they had common equipment, but they were not in uniform. But they, they behaved in a uniform manner. And we intend to get all of that video evidence from Union Station, uh, from the escalators, from the parking lot. We have other eyewitnesses. Much to the chagrin of everybody that was in those buses and everyone who commanded them to be there, we've identified one of those buses. And you know what that means? That means that's their ass. Because a bus is a serial-numbered vehicle. And in America, the change of ownership of a serial-numbered vehicle is, is documented. So that means we can begin to trace from the original owner of that bus where it was sold and who bought it, and then who it was leased to and where it disappeared. And then eventually those buses were removed from the Union Station, and we're going to document all of that. So you believe that those buses held undercover officers, not informants, correct? I feel very, very confident that, that everybody that was on those two buses were FBI assets. And I have a high degree of, of belief that they were actual FBI agents. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, ma'am, my objective conclusion is that, uh, is that senior officials at the, at the FBI were deeply involved. Yeah, that's what's still to come. That's the kind of stuff you never heard before, right? That's why we're fighting, you know, to get the videotapes out. That's why we're fighting, you know, to protect these innocent people who were set up, basically. You know, and, and this was a, you know, the, the, the insurrection, right? The insurrection was on Election Day 2020, in November 2020. That's when... The, the far left stole the election. January 6th was the cover-up of the insurrection. January 6th was the way to make sure that nobody challenged it and that no questions could be answered. Okay? So, this is a big deal. Now, let me just close the whole thing about the obstruction of official proceedings. For those of you who are new and don't know, Obstruction of official proceedings is a law that came out of the Enron scandal back in like the 1980s. In the Enron scandal, it was basically, uh, Enron was a, a Texas company, I think it was Texas or Oklahoma, that was basically manipulating a technology and stealing millions and millions, if not billions of dollars. During that time, when electronic records were not that new, they destroyed a bunch of the evidence. And so they passed this law about obstructing an official proceeding, meaning if you destroy evidence while you know, a court case is going on, it's illegal. That law does not apply to what they're talking about, where the rioters you know, stopped the, you know, the uh, Senate and the House from you know, verifying the election. 
That's not what it means. It's about destroying documents. And you know what the proof of that is? You want to talk about obstructing an official proceeding? How about a Democrat congressman who, during the uh, the uh, Speaker uh, McCarthy period of four months ago, when they were passing you know the uh, the CR, a continuing resolution, and the Democrats wanted to delay it, they wanted to obstruct the official proceeding, and this Democrat congressman pulled the fire alarm. How come he wasn't charged with obstructing the official proceeding? How can you be any more clear? You want to know why? Because it wasn't about destroying documents. How could the palace, the people who were protesting the Palestinian you know, situation against Israel, who broke into the Capitol and stopped official proceedings? That's how you know it's bogus. Here's the other part. And Julie Kelly, you know, go look at Julie Kelly on Twitter and on Substack. She's got great stuff on this. Here's the bottom line. When the Supreme Court said they're going to take this case up, okay, we're, 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 you know, we're looking at it, okay, the reality is that the chances that they are going to rule that the DOJ has been misusing this law and that all the people who were given 20-year and 16- and 50-year terms based on this law are bogus, the chances of that went from 3% to like 44%. In other words, they wouldn't have accepted it if they didn't think there was a good chance that they would rule the other way. Okay? Now, here's the other part of this. There's two parts of it. One is we want those charges against Trump drop. We want them against the 300 people who've already been you know, convicted with that. We want their convictions overturned. But here's the other part. Now, the whole Trump trial has to be delayed until they decide this because two two of the four charges against Trump in the D.C. court are based on this law. And so here's the part I didn't understand this week until I heard Julie Kelly on the Clay and Buck show talk about the fact that, guess what? The Supreme Court, as you guys all know, kind of has a schedule. And so they will hear testimony from both sides about this law in like February and then they won't decide till June. Well, the March 4th date for Trump's trial in D.C. is gone. It's gone. And then, depending on how they rule in June, they would have to start the trial up. There's no way Donald Trump is going to go to trial before the election. That's a big deal. That's what they're trying to do. And that's what this did. It stopped that. So it's a double win for us. I hope I explained that clear enough. Okay? The bottom line is not only is it going to you know, bring justice and overturn this misuse, in, intentional misuse of justice by the DOJ and the FBI and, and get a lot of you know, patriots, you know, their sentences reduced and things of that nature, but it's going to make sure that the plan they have to use the courts to, to stop Trump from becoming president isn't going to work. Okay? So I took time with that because I wanted you to understand it. But it's, it's a big deal. And, and, you know, we're so excited. 
and you should be excited. You should be happy in the in the midst of all the bad news and things you hear. You should be happy today. That's a big get for us. And so then to tie into this, you know, Jack Smith, it was it was trying to you know again the goal is to have a show trial of Trump before the election to try to convince voters you can't vote for him because he's a he's a convicted felon. Well, he went to the Supreme Court. Jack Smith did and said, I want you, the Supreme Court, to take up the issue of whether Trump has presidential immunity because January 6th happened while Trump was still president. Biden wasn't sworn in until January 20th. So can you really charge the president with these crimes when he was still president? Defense attorneys argue that this is an improper rushing of the procedures. A federal appeals court on Wednesday agreed to Special Prosecutor Jackson's request to expedite former President Trump's uh, appeal to dismiss his Washington, D.C. election case based on presidential immunity. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia issued an order outlining a streamlined briefing schedule and calling for oral arguments with the date to be set later. According to the order, President Trump's opening brief is due by December 23rd. The order emphasized that the issues and arguments should be raised in the opening brief, discouraging new points in the reply for consideration. The prosecutor has one goal in this case, to unlawfully attempt to try and convict and sentence President Trump before an election, which he is likely to defeat President Biden, the defense attorneys wrote. So what happened was Smith tried to get the Supreme Court to take it on an emergency and expedite basis, but they didn't. And so now the appeals court, which Smith didn't want to do, is trying to take it up on an expedited basis. But guess what? Regardless of how they rule, Trump's going to appeal. Trump's going to appeal, and then it'll delay it even further. And so even Judge Chutkin, okay, this this freak, okay, who is uh, compromised, who, you know, who has gotten money to prosecute Trump, Judge Chutkin indicates she will have to pause D.C. prosecution until President's immunity decided. In a three-page opinion and order, District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin outlines that she may be forced to pause the case against President Trump until the appellate court and then likely the Supreme Court make a decision on presidential immunity. The case is over. It will probably never become the trial. Okay? President Trump had a statement. Judge Chuckman has granted President Trump's motion to stay proceedings pending the resolution of an appeal of President Trump's immunity for doing his job as president and protecting our elections from fraud and abuse. This is a big win for President Trump and our rule of law, and it derails deranged Jack Smith's rush to judgment strategy of interfering in the 2024 presidential election in support of Joe Biden's campaign. They waited almost three years to bring this hoax case and now are desperately trying and failing to rush it because they know President Trump is dominating the election. See, that's the point. If they, if they were going to charge this, they should have charged it right after January 6th, but they waited because they wanted to interfere with the election and now they're too cute by half and they're getting tangled up in their own pantyhose. The Constitution should not be suspended in a baseless prosecution against the leading candidate for president. This stay stops the trial itself and all discovery obligations. The stay will remain in effect while President Trump continues to appeal his assertion of presidential immunity, which should result in a complete dismissal of this witch hunt in its entirety. The American people, not the courts, should decide he becomes president and they are supporting President Trump 
in historic numbers. Stephen Chung, Trump spokesman. See how it's a big deal? That's a big deal. But here's the bottom line. They're failing. They're just failing miserably. Polls show Dem lawfare strategy to stop Trump is failing miserably, even with Democrats. This is at wethepeopleconvention.org. You go there, you can find this article and the poll. It turns out that the American people know a scam when they see one, even Democrats. A new I&I tip poll shows indisputably that the lawsuits against Trump are beginning to boomerang in the minds of Democrats. Indeed, they're not buying the BS that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. Donald Trump is currently indicted on 91 obviously orchestrated felony counts, as well as other lawsuits in multiple venues around the U.S., there's the, there's the indictment about legally held documents at Mar-a-Lago. There's the one about inciting an insurrection. There's a civil lawsuit in New York, etc. The IT tip poll finds that Democrats are not buying him. The polling organization asks two questions. The, uh, the first question is, to what extent do you agree or disagree with the statement the Democratic Party is using the law to try to prevent Trump from running in the 2024 election? Second, and asked those leading Republican, how likely are you to vote for Donald Trump in a Republican presidential primary? In the first question, 80% of Republicans and a slight majority of independents agree that the lawsuits are an obvious attempt to keep Trump out of office, or to put it another way, tampering with an election. Nearly 50% of Democrats agreed that the Democratic Party is using this to try to win the election. Half of Democrats a plurality, 49%, believe that the losses are an attempt to kill off Trump's candidate. Taken together, fully 60% of Americans believe the, the lawsuits are an empty political ploy. But here's the graph that really makes a difference. Further, 72% of Republicans think so little of the lawfare being run against Trump that they would vote for him even if he is convicted of anything. 72% of Republicans said they would vote for Trump even if he was convicted. It's failing miserably, okay? But that doesn't stop him from, from, from doing this. Why? Think about all these cases and the money Trump has to spend in these lawsuits. Think about the time and effort, okay? It's just, it's just unbelievable. So I do want to mention this story because the press just blew this up. Rudy Giuliani dismisses $148 million damages verdict as absurd as former election workers praised decision as it happened. The left-wing media went berserko. Rudy Giuliani you know, loses this case, and, and he's got to pay $148 million to the two women who brought suitcases out from under the table and ran them through the machines multiple times. Well, guess what? That's a show trial. Rudy didn't even testify. They didn't even put up a defense. You know why? Because they were going to appeal it anyway. It didn't matter. Here's what Rudy said. Giuliani himself dismissed the verdict and told reporters outside the Washington Federal Courthouse that he will appeal, saying, the absurdity of the number merely underscores the absurdity of the entire proceedings. It will be reversed so quickly that it will make your head spin. And the absurd number that just came in will actually help with our appeal. Okay. So be careful of the spin. Be careful of the spin. $148 million for defaming these women who helped cheat in an election, allegedly. Right? That still has to be proven 
But Rudy saw there was no chance in this court with that jury, and so he just passed. And I don't, I understand what that was probably a smart move. So I want to give you a story from the Conservative Treehouse. Many of you know that I, I quote Sundance from the conservativetreehouse.com because he has insights into the workings in D.C. That, that I don't think anybody else I read has. So he put out this article that it was very interesting. Great news. Senate majority predicts Donald Trump will win the 2024 election, constructs bill to prevent Trump exiting NATO alliance, includes in recent NDAA. So what is this about? What does this mean? Well, they, they, they passed the National Defense Authorization Act, okay? And in there, they put this special thing in. And Sundance is reading this as a signal that they know something. There is good news again within this story, but only if you fully comprehend the institution of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and that it represents an outcome of the fourth branch of government and what the Senate Foreign Relations Committee is in place to do. The SSCI is facilitating is the facilitating institution that collaborates with the intelligence state to facilitate the construct of the surveillance walls around us. The SSCI is the mechanism that permits the deep state to function without impediment. The Senate Foreign Relations Committee is the mechanism for the Senate to enrich the members. If you don't grasp this reality, you cannot fathom the enemy we face or the ramifications of how the CC control system shows their outlook. Within this story, you will discover that the CIA, NSA, DNI, DIA, DOJ, Pentagon, and State Department all believe President Donald Trump is going to win the 2024 election. If they didn't fear and anticipate his victory, the Senate would not be taking action to control the ramifications of his pending victory. So here's the context, and you should smile. Washington, D.C., Congress has approved legislation that would prevent any president from withdrawing the United States from NATO without approval from the Senate or an act of Congress. The measure was spearheaded by Senators Tim Kaine from Virginia and Marco Rubio from Florida, was included in the annual National Defense Authorization Act, which passed out of the House on Thursday and is expected to be signed by President Biden. You see how that goes? He's reading deeper and he's saying, they never would have done it if Biden was going to win. Why did they do it? Why did they think it was important to do it? Because they know Trump's going to win. And I was having a conversation with my good friend Rich, who we like to you know, debate philosophically about political issues. And he, we were talking you know, about the fact that you know, a lot of people think that they're going to kill Trump. And we were going through that whole discussion about what would happen. And I said, you know what? I, I think now I don't think they're going to do that because they know that that would be the breaking point. They know that the whole thing comes crashing down and that includes them and they're not going to risk that. They're going to make sure Trump wins. I mean that. I think their deep state is going to make sure Trump wins because they believe they can manipulate the controls within and keep him from doing harm to them. Whereas if they, if they assassinate him and the, and the country explodes, everything comes down. Now, that's just a theory I have, but I'd like you to consider that. Now, our problem is once Trump wins, a bunch of us, too many of us, not me, sat back and said, oh, we elected Trump. Go do it, Donald. That's great. We're going to sit and eat popcorn. Ain't happening this time, folks. 
We ain't going to say, oh, Trump won, everything's okay. No, no, we got this thing called project2025.org and 4,000 of us are going to go to D.C. and implement conservative policies and we're going to pass legislation. If Trump can win, if we can elect Trump, that's the beginning. It's not the end. We have to remove the communists from our government. We have to reestablish the rule of law. It's going to be hard. It's going to be ugly. Now, the deep state's going to bet that they got the tools to control of that, and we're going to have to believe that we have the courage to dismantle the deep state and take that power away from them. I want to have that fight, okay? They do too, but they don't think we can do what I think we can do. So I thought that was a very interesting story and want to share that with you. Also, this week, the House of Representatives voted along party lines to authorize the impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden with a vote of 221 to 212. The measure passed with every Republican voting in favor of it and all present Democrats voting against it. Light cheering could be heard on the GOP side of the chamber and a pin drop silence on the Democratic side. We are now in a pivotal moment in our investigation. We will soon just depose and interview several members of the Biden family and their associates about these influence peddling schemes. But we are facing obstruction from the White House. Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said on the floor ahead of the vote and with the, with the vote to, to do the impeachment inquiry, they now have more power to get through this. Okay? We wanted that. That's good. But boy, you didn't hear much about that, did you? You didn't hear much about that. We'll talk about why that was. But that was a good thing. This was a bad thing. For Christmas, you get an expansion, an extension of mass surveillance jammed into a must-pass bill. You're welcome. Sincerely, Congress. Okay? This is a, a, a tweet that came out. The GOP-led House of Representatives delivered coal in American stockings as they passed uh, they passed the uh, NDAA and FISA Act going into the holiday break. Democrats successfully ran through the $886 million Defense uh, Authorization Act, uh, and many in the GOP openly opposed the sprawling bill that passed with a 310 to 118 vote, with 147 Republicans voting against it. Okay? Now, why did we want to vote against it? Because what's in this is not just the National Defense Authorization Act, which the House and Senate negotiators released a compromised version of the NDA last week, stripping all the prohibitions on the Pentagon funding, gender-affirming care, and other issues that the House put in, all of them were stripped out. They got exactly what they wanted. No reduction in any of the woke joke crap in our military. That's what's in the NDAA. And they extended FISA for four more months. Okay? It wasn't a good day. It was a bad day. But they did it. And then, Mike Johnson, they're going away for break for three weeks. you got to be kidding me. How many more people are going to cross the border in three weeks? I don't know. A couple hundred thousand? Oh, yeah. But we're going to go home have Christmas. Yeah. Now, to his credit... After meeting with Zelensky, Zelensky came, you know, to D.C. to try to pressure, you know, congressmen and senators you know, to not be Putin pawns and, and, you know, get billions of dollars more for Ukraine. After the meeting with Zelensky, Speaker Johnson remains firm. No Ukraine aid without enhanced border security. 
A House Speaker Mike Johnson said Tuesday after meeting with Ukrainian President Zelensky that any aid given to Kiev must be packaged with security on the southern border. From the very beginning, when I was handed the gavel, we needed clarity on what we're doing in Ukraine and how we were properly oversight of the spending of precious taxpayer dollars, and we needed a transformative change at the border. Thus far, we've gotten neither, and we're not going to pass this aid until we get it. Okay, that's good. That's good. But in the meantime, you know, the games continue. The games continue. And so Tucker, uh, Hunter Biden was supposed to testify to uh, the Comer's committee and Jordan's committee in a closed session. And he comes instead to D.C. and does a six-minute statement on the steps of the Capitol and then jumps in his car and drives away. He intentionally flaunts a congressional subpoena. And why did he do that? What was that all about? Well, again, he's not going to go answer questions because he's guilty of sin. And he releases this bullcrap statement about, oh, my father loves me and I'm an addict and these Republicans are bullies because they're, you know, they're, they're you know, showing naked pictures of me, right? And they're, and they're just terrible people. And, and they're only doing this to defeat my father. My father had no, quote, financial interest in our business. Absolute bogus bullcrap. But what did that do? That gave the media the chance to go out and say what they've been saying all along. Oh, there was, there's no evidence. That the, this is a purely political impeachment, just like, you know, political impeachment, unlike the Democrats' political impeachments, right, of Trump, that had zero evidence, no basis on anything. And so they went out and they said they didn't talk about the passing NDA or the Pfizer. They didn't pass, they didn't talk on the media about the impeachment inquiry. They just said there's no evidence. There's no evidence. Well, yeah, but notice that, uh, guess what? They when when the Congress subpoenaed Steve Bannon and Navarro to testify in, in the bogus January 6th committee and they refused. The DOJ charged them. Remember the pictures of Steve Bannon going through the court in New York City being charged? They're going to charge Hunter Biden? He just willingly defied a congressional subpoena. Do we have a two-tiered justice system? There's your proof right there. Hunter Biden, there's your proof. Okay? And so what it is all about is gaslighting you. It's about lying to you. It's about lying to the American people to protect what? Their power. Their power. Not about the truth. Not about news. It's about power. You need to know that they're liars. And so I break out for you our little vin uh, little uh, video about there's no evidence. Here you go. Bank records show the Biden family, their associates, and their companies received over $10 million dollars. From foreign nationals. Republicans have presented zero, absolutely zero evidence. There are thousands of pages of documents relating to financial transactions. Zero evidence. We've identified six new Biden family members involved. Absolutely no evidence. There's no evidence President Biden has any involvement here. Text messages from Hunter's laptop where Hunter complains about having to carve out huge amounts 
of the money he makes for his father. Quote, but unlike Pop at the bottom, I won't make you give me half your salary. No evidence of that. Well, I mean, he hasn't produced any evidence. They have uncovered no evidence. Various shell companies and this web of LLCs. You have Rosemont Seneca Partners, Rosemont Seneca Advisors, Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners. RSP Holdings. CNN has reported on this. There's no evidence. RSTP to Bravo. Rosemont Seneca Thornton. Rosemont Seneca Bohai. They haven't produced much evidence. You've seen very little evidence. According to the testimony, President Joe Biden was there when Hunter Biden messaged Chinese businessman Henry Zhao on WhatsApp. I am sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. You will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. We have no evidence of that. A bribery scheme of which there isn't any evidence to back that up. There is really no evidence. Well, we've been presenting evidence. We've been presenting bank records that show wires from China uh, mm -hmm. that were then laundered through shell companies. There has been no evidence. There's been no evidence at all. They have no okay. evidence. Say it again. Yeah, they, they have no evidence. Archer did not provide any evidence connecting President Biden to his son's business dealing. He was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that that illustrates that he knew me in the, in the rear view. It's a, it's a, it's an abuse of soft power, I'd say. Has any of them once provided evidence of what they are claiming? Well, not anything other than circumstantial evidence. The National Archives allegedly has 5,400 emails showing then-Vice President Biden using phony names to communicate government information to his son, Hunter. They don't appear to have direct evidence linking him to his son, Hunter. Republicans have no evidence. Can I just say evidence of, of, of what? Records released from the National Archives show Hunter Biden's investment firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, Rosemont. exchanging more than sit down for this number, 1,000 emails with Joe Biden's office during his time as vice president. They complete in total lack of evidence. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by President Biden. Archer revealed that the first son put then-Vice President Joe Biden on speakerphone more than 20 times during business meetings. I should point out. Now, it is important to keep in mind there's no evidence. No evidence. Obtaining the FBI's 1023 form that alleges that Biden's coerced a Burisma CEO to pay them millions of dollars to help get Ukraine, a Ukrainian prosecutor fired. The form was released by Senator Chuck Grassley today. This comes after two IRS whistleblowers came forward with allegations that federal officials interfered with the Hunter Biden investigation. Let's bring in Kim Strassel. She is a Wall Street Journal columnist. Yeah. So, so here it is. I mean, this is the, the big prize, right? This is the form FD-1023 that everybody has been talking about so much. Chuck Grassley's office released it just a little while ago. I guess he said, look, this thing's not classified. I'm going to put it out there. Here's what it says in part, according to a confidential human source. Quote, they, and this is Burisma, hired Hunter Biden to, quote, protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems. Moving down a little bit, it costs $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to another Biden. Confidential human source mentions Zlochevsky. This is Mikola Zlochevsky, who was the founder of Burisma, might have difficulty explaining suspicious wire transfers that may evidence any illicit payments to the Bidens. Zlochevsky responded he did not send any funds directly to, quote, the big guy. You've read through this. What do you think? 
Well, we knew some of this, uh, mm -hmm. even though we hadn't seen the 1023. You know, we knew there was an allegation of bribery. We knew that it was supposedly $10 million. Uh, we knew that supposedly also this source had recordings of Joe and Hunter Biden talking to him about this scheme. Now we know it's Zlochewski of Burisma. Now we know that the bribery scheme was allegedly uh, in order to Joe Biden to get this prosecutor Shokin fired. And of course, Shokin was investigating Burisma at the time. But a couple of other things we found out in here, too, just fascinating. Uh, Zlochewski claims that he was coerced mm -hmm. to give these payments, uh, meaning that it wasn't he really that approached them and said, hey, can you give me some help? He's making it sound like it's a shakedown. As do you believe that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden got bribes? I do not want to deal in unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. Uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing, isn't that alone a case of corruption? No actual evidence. No evidence. No, no evidence. evidence. They have yet to provide any hard evidence that the president himself has done anything wrong. Yeah. So there you have it. There's no evidence. So we'll make this video available on our website and uh, in the podcast page, and you can link to it and share it with all the people who are being gaslit by the quote-unquote mainstream media which is a Democrat propaganda operation. And that's, that's old. That's, there's more evidence that's come out since then. And believe me, in this impeachment inquiry, it's going to be even worse. So, you know, just understand what's going on here. They're scrambling because the walls are closing in. And here's more evidence of that. All right. Federal prosecutor who allegedly interfered in Hunter Biden probe leaves the Justice Department. And I've talked about this person on this podcast before. And so who is this? A federal prosecutor who allegedly interfered in the criminal investigations of Hunter Biden to protect both President Biden and his son recently left the Justice Department, the New York Post has learned. Former Delaware Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf's quiet departure emerged as she appeared for a deposition with the House Judiciary Committee on Thursday morning. Following the Wednesday night House vote to formally authorize the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden over his role in his son's and foreign business dealings. Wolf's starring role in the alleged cover-up in the criminal tax fraud and foreign lobbying investigation is a significant part of the impeachment inquiry, with the whistleblower saying that she discouraged asking witnesses questions about the big guy or dad referring to Joe Biden, claiming there was no specific criminality to that line of questioning. Two IRS agents who worked on the criminal investigation, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, alleged prior testimony of the House committee that Wolf tipped off Hunter Biden's lawyers to investigative steps and forbade inquiries into Joe Biden even when communications mentioned him. Okay? So this is the woman who was covering for the Bidens, and oh, she just left she, her job in the, in the Department of Justice, right? And you know what she did yesterday in testimony? She didn't answer any questions at all, but she talked about how she's the victim because she's gotten death threats and hate and all this stuff. And, and she's just a, you know, was a, a private you know citizen, a very private person. And now she's been subjected to this. Yeah. Well, honey, you subjected us to these crooks and criminals. 
You subjected us to the inflation we're getting, the opioid deaths, the crime on our streets, two wars, okay? Your actions, you're responsible, Miss Wolf. And I hope you go to freaking prison for a long time. Because it's on you, dear. Can't wait. Can't wait to nail her. Now, again, the DOJ's not going to prosecute her, right? Merrick Garland's not going to prosecute her. That's why we've got to win and get our a real attorney general who believes in justice who will go after these people. That's what the inquiry is about. We're not going to impeach Joe Biden before the election because the Democrats control the Senate along with Mitch McConnell, the rhino, and his other rhino buddies. So they're not going to convict Joe Biden. The whole process is to let the American people see that they're criminals and then win the election and then prosecute them. Capiche? So don't be disappointed. They haven't impeached Biden. It ain't going to happen. That's not the part we're talking about. I want to close this half of the show with one important piece of information. As you know, they threw George Santos out of Congress because he's a complete sleazeball, even though that was stupid for them to do because he hadn't been convicted. Well, the New York Republicans have chosen the person they're going to run for that seat, and her name is Maisie Melissa Phillip. And uh, this lady is a really interesting person. New York Republicans chose Nassau County legislator Maisie Melissa Phillip, an Orthodox Jew, as the nominee for the special election for George Santos' seat. The special election will happen on February 13th. So right now, the Republicans are without one vote they would have had with Santos because he's been thrown out and not going to be replaced till February. But listen to this. Phillips was born in the late 1970s in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Her family moved to Israel when she was 12. She later became an elite paratrooper in the Israeli defense forces. Okay. She earned a degree in occupational therapy at the University of Haifa and a master's degree in diplomacy at the University of Tel Aviv. Uh, This is where it gets interesting. Phillips is a registered Democrat, but has run for political office as a Republican. The Nasser Republicans don't consider Phillips' Democratic registration. We endorse the best candidate. We don't endorse on political registration? What does that mean? Phillips has said her affiliation doesn't matter because her work has been nonpartisan. She has a point from the New York Post. Two years ago, Phillips decided to enter politics. You can't just complain from the outside, she said, and ran for Nassau County Legislature in the Great Neck area, defeating a four-term Democratic incumbent by seven points. She still found time to give birth to twin daughters, her six and seven children, just weeks before the election. She was re-elected to a second term last month with a 60% of the vote. So she sounds like a pretty good candidate, even though she's a registered Democrat, but We'll see. All right? That's going to be a close fight. I'm, I think most people are protecting the Democrats are going to take that seat. But with a candidate like that, she's black. She's a woman. She's a registered Democrat. It's going to give them some problems. So I thought I'd just leave you with that before we take our break. Okay? I can't thank you enough for joining us. I hope you found the information we gave you in the first half of the show really insightful. Okay, and and connecting some dots that you need to connect. We got a lot more in the second half of the show. So stay with us. You've been listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski.
The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button. And if you click it, it'll actually download the, po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much. But there's our podcast playing. And you can see this little you know, download button. Okay. The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What, you know, something was wrong or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories, that, to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can, you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, uh, you know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support, but uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We The People Convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday. And in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right. And I, I want to thank 
all of our donors. Uh, this podcast, our website, our text messages, our emails, our phone app, our donations to other conservative groups and candidates, and, and, and our meetings that we put on are all paid for by the generous donors from the We The People Convention. And I can't thank you enough. Now, I know everyone isn't in a position to donate, particularly in these difficult times. But even three, five, ten dollars is is very much appreciated. It's not about big donors. We don't have big donors. We have, we have some substantial donors, but we don't have these people who give you a hundred thousand dollar type donors. And so, you know, all your support matters. So I want to make that point. But it's not everything. What really matters is you're sharing this podcast with others so they can be informed like you and they can understand what's going on and have weapons like that no evidence video that they can send to people and that's an ask i'm asking you to defeat the narrative of the left-wing media you do that by countering it with content so you can share the video of the evidence with people who think there's no evidence okay so that's you know the other part of it we got to get other people to watch this podcast, but then you've got to act by, you know, sharing it with people, by doing things. And then, you know, the other part of it is just really a matter of you, uh, you know, standing up to to defend and, and basically to counter anytime anybody says, like I, I was reading that article and they said, oh, you know, the, the deadly insurrection, you need to. Point that out if you're with somebody. You'd say, yeah, look at this. They said it's a deadly insurrection. It wasn't an insurrection, and it wasn't deadly other than the state killed five people. Do you understand your role in, in, in correcting the record? Consistently, don't let it go by. When someone says they're trans, you have to say, yeah, except there's no such thing as trans. They have gender dysphoria, and I feel bad for them, but they need mental help, not mutilation surgery. You have to say that. That's how you defeat the, the culture warriors, okay? By countering them right at the point where they try to slip it in, okay? Those are the things you learn on this show. Um, I do want to tell you about, you know, we have a new player, on our, our podcast page, where which comes out on Sundays because it takes them about a day to process it, where you can just skip to the stories you want right to the video by clicking on this chapters uh, player. People are pretty excited about that. A lot of people have been using that. And I want you to please go to your Apple Play Store or Google Play Store and download our phone app because we can message you. You can make sure you, you approve notifications when you install it so that we can message you at no cost to us. That's an important savings for us. So go to your uh, Google and Apple Play stores you know, and, and, and download the app. It's, it's under WTPC Space Convention is how you'll find it for sure. Okay? All right. Let's get on with the show. Uh, I got some really interesting stories here. This one really was a big deal. Uh, it got a lot of national news coverage. And it's on our website, and it was a really interesting survey. In the 2020 election, more than one in five voters who submitted ballots by mail say they did so fraudulently. A survey from Rasmussen Reports and the Harlan Institute reveals 17% of mail-in voters admitted that in 2020 they voted in a state where they are, they are no longer a permanent resident. They admitted it in this poll. 21% of mail-in voters admitted that they filled out a ballot for a friend or family member. 
That's illegal in most states. 17% of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot for a friend or family member with or without his or her permission. They forged the signatures. 8% of likely voters say they were offered pay or a reward for voting in 2020. 8%. President Trump issued an urgent call for action to his fellow Republicans over what, we called, what he called the biggest story of the year, namely a survey showing that 20% of mail-in voters admitted to committing at least one kind of voter fraud in the 2020 election. The Heartland uh, Rasmussen poll released on December 12th suggests concerning levels of voter fraud in the 2020 election, bolstering President Trump's long-standing claim that he was cheated out of the victory amid an explosion in mail-in bets ballots combined with state-level moves by the courts that made it easier to cheat. This was a stunning survey, and it shows that we need to get away from mail-in voting. It's too easy to cheat. And the left is basically telling people, well, if Trump is Hitler, so what if you fill out your, your, your grandmother's ballot and send it in? So what if you forge your signature? You're a good patriot. No, you're a freaking criminal, okay? So that story might be a good one for you to share, right? With all the people who think that the election wasn't stolen? Regardless, Democrat, Independent, Republican, use our share features on our website and share this story because I think most people will be shocked. And then keep fighting in your state for paper ballots voting on election day. We've got to stop this nonsense. It's, it's just that the evidence is clear. You can't have a fair election. Every commission that's ever studied it shows you can't have a fair election when people don't show up in person to vote. Okay? So we'll see what goes from there. This is also election-related because the left is continuing this insane effort to use the 14th Amendment, which was for the Civil War, to keep Trump off the ballot in various states. The Michigan Appeals Court rules to keep Trump on the ballot. Uh, Michigan Appeals Court upheld a lower court decision ruling on Thursday that former President Trump was eligible to appear in the state's primary ballot. Nothing in the statutory framework that controls a process for presidential primary elections confers any authority on the Secretary of State to make eligibility determinations or to refuse to place a candidate on that particular ballot based on the, his eligibility determination, the three-judge panel wrote, echoing the lower court opinion. So this is like, what I don't know, I think it's like 14 states that have already decided. But why are they doing this? To create doubt. It's a psyops. Oh, oh, Donald Trump's a criminal. He shouldn't be on the ballot. People in these states read that and think it's true. You've got to fight back. You've got to say, this is bogus. He hasn't been convicted of a damn thing. That's the reality. But they don't care about reality, right? It's all about projection. It's all about you know the message, not the substance. Not the substance. And so here, here's a classic case. University of Penn president resigns after uh, defending anti-Semitism in House hearings. So this was a big discussion that's happened since those three woke joke diversity hire Ivy League presidents showed America how bankrupt the American education system has become as their Marxist faculty, students, and administrators actively promote genocide of Jews, and they said it was acceptable. Well, she's gone. University of President, uh, Pennsylvania President Elizabeth McGill 
was fired. Okay, they said she she you know she stepped down voluntarily. She was fired. Okay, but the lady at Harvard, the black lady named her last name is Gay. All right, they aren't going to get rid of her. You know why? Because she's black and she's the poster child for the diversity hire. She is the poster child nationally. They got all kinds of praise from their lefty buddies when they appointed this woman to be president who's totally unqualified only because she's black and she has a degree in, in diversity and all that crap. Now they're finding out that she plagiarized a bunch of her documents that, that got her her doctorate. They're in trouble, folks. They're in trouble. And we talked about, you know, Penn, you know, one of the reasons the lady's gone to Penn is they lost a $100 million donor, $100 million. Goodbye. Okay? So what's going on here? Republicans are, are, are acting smart, pushed to defund Harvard, other colleges that promote anti-Semitism. A Republican-led effort to strip Harvard and other higher education institutions of federal funding is gaining steam as calls grow in Congress to defund any institution that allows anti-Semitism on campus. Less than two weeks after the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack on Israel, a group of GOP senators led by Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina introduced legislation that would rescind federal education funding for colleges and universities that avow that allow violent anti-Semitism, pointing directly to Harvard's silence at the time for more than the 30 student organizations in school that blamed Israel for Hamas's attack on its civilians. Okay? Now following Harvard President Claudine Gay and other Ivy League presidents' disastrous testimony before the House, lawmakers in the lower chamber are launching their own effort to prevent tax dollars from going to institutions that allow anti-Semitism. How about institutions that allow anti-Americanism? How about institutions that promote Marxism and the overthrow of our government? Oh, we wouldn't defund them. Why not? I've said to you before, all of you guys, for 15 years has been in the Tea Party movement. How can we defeat the left? They're so powerful. They control the academia. They control medicine. They control Hollywood. They control sports. They control the government. How can we defeat them? Yes, yeah, it's simple. Nothing they do isn't because they're using our money. They steal your money through people like Congress who give it to them, like all the stuff on the border. Where do you think the NGOs and non-government organizations like Catholic Charities get the money to transport those illegals into your city in Iowa or Arkansas or wherever they are? It comes from you and me. You defund the bastards and they'll go away. They can't exist. So yes, Republicans, wake the hell up and defund these colleges. And in your state, this is an ask. I'm asking you to have conversations when your congressman is home on break and when your state legislatures are on Christmas break, when you see them at various political things, start talking about how are we going to defund these universities who are indoctrinating our children to hate each other, to hate America who are white racists. They are racist against whites. Have that conversation. That's an ask for this show. Have that conversation. So I talked to you earlier about the flag being upside down, right? You see the flags upside down because we're under attack by China. We're at war with China. If you don't think we're at war with China, 
Wake the hell up. Here it comes. Okay? China initiates massive cyber attack on U.S. infrastructure. Oh, why would you be doing that? If you were our friend, why would you be doing that? More proof that China is at war with the U.S. and we are vulnerable. U.S. officials and cybersecurity experts warn that the Chinese military is increasingly attempting to infiltrate essential infrastructure, utilities, communications, and transportation services in the United States. According to the Washington Post, anonymous U.S. officials and cybersecurity experts recently noted that hackers linked to with China's People's Liberation Army have infiltrated roughly two dozen essential service entities throughout the past year. The anonymous officials and experts claim that China's infiltration of critical entities is part of its widespread plan to disrupt or destroy essential services if a conflict occurs between the United States and China in the Pacific region, meaning Taiwan. If they're going to attack Taiwan, what do they want to do? They want to shut off the power in mainland United States. They want to pollute your, your water source. It's called war. We're at war. They're at war with us. Are we at war with them? According to the information obtained by the Washington Post, hackers linked with China's Liberation Army infiltrated services such as water utility in Hawaii, an oil and gas pipeline, and a West Coast port. Hackers also attempted to infiltrate Texas's power grid as well as multiple entities outside the United States. I'd call that war. It's very clear that Chinese attempts to compromise critical infrastructure are in part to pre-position themselves to be able to disrupt or destroy the critical infrastructure in the event of a conflict, to either prevent the United States from being able to project power into Asia or to cause societal chaos inside the United States to affect our decision-making around a crisis. Brandon Wales, Executive Director of the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, and Infrastructure Security Team, said that this is a significant change from cyber, Chinese cyber activity from seven to 10 years ago that was focused primarily on political and economic espionage. Now they're going after what would be called military targets. Are we ready for this? Is the woke joke U.S. military able to fi fight this? Yeah, I don't think so. That's why you're flying your flag upside down. Wake up your fellow citizens and talk to your legislatures at all level. You know, China's buying farmland in your county. You got to stop that crap. Local officials, state officials, federal officials. What are you doing about China? They're trying to destroy us. How are we defending ourselves and attacking them? Well, one of the ways they're trying to destroy us is by their funding the World Economic Forum, and all the lunatics who are claiming that global climate is the existential threat to us, which is a total lie, okay? And we should get rid of fossil fuels and go electric. Except, uh, yeah, it ain't working too well. GM's crews laying off 900 employees or 24% of its workforce. The layoffs, which mostly hit commercial operations and related corporate functions, comes one day after a robo-taxi subsidiary dismissed nine key leaders. The moves are fallout from the company's response to the October 2nd incident in which a pedestrian was dragged 20 feet by a cruise self-driving electric car after being hit by another vehicle. Since the incident, the company has suspended all trips 
on public roads and halted production of the new robo-taxi, among other moves. They've gotten us to spend billions of dollars, trillion dollars, the Green New Deal, right? On insanity, on things that don't work. Isn't that a great way to defeat your enemies? Get them to spend their money on stupid, on being stupid. Yeah, we're stupid because we have people like Joe Biden and the rest who've been bought off, who've been paid by the communist Chinese to do these things to us, okay? That's the fo- folks. Again, go to our website and do the search icon, little eyeglass thing, and type in Democrats China, and you'll see Kamala Harris, uh, you know, Cory Booker, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden. They're all getting money from China and have been for years. That's why we're fighting them. That's why they're not our government. They're the communist government. We, the patriots, are trying to take back control of the U.S. government from the damn commies. Okay, so this is a good, an interesting story. Public employees leaving their unions in record numbers, okay? Wait a minute, did I skip over somewhere? Hold on, back up a little bit here. I want to come to this story that I showed you uh, on Friday. I sent this out, and I thought this was pretty cool. Are dumb phones making a comeback? Are you ready to go back to a dumb phone for security reasons? So, you know, many of us have been talking for a long time about the fact that they're using our phones to spy on us, right? That the phone's selling everything you do. It's, 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 it's a tool for spying. So would you go back to a dumb phone? Do you really need a smartphone or do you just need a dumb phone? The answer is surprising tech companies. Mobile phones are designed as a tool to keep humans informed and connected, but the rise of the smartphone over the last three decades means the technology that was designed to serve us ended up controlling us. Current data suggests the average U.S. adult spends more than seven hours a day staring at a handheld screen. Seven hours a day. Americans know there's only so much do not disturb can do against a logarithm's crafted to create dopamine hits. This is why they are turning to so-called dumb phone devices stripped of all the unnecessary bells and whistles associated with smartphones. Flip and feature phones are often deemed products of the past, but they could be the future for people looking to ditch their technology addictions. Some are returning to the iconic flip phone that dominated the 20s. Nokia phone maker HMD Global reports a spike in global and U.S. flip phone sales in 2022. Millennials and Gen Z's uh, specific interest in the relic is boosting a once-fading and undervalued phone market. Others are giving a chance to the new companies touting minimalist phones that are specifically designed to reduce distractions, be used as little as possible, and increase security and privacy. The Light Phone, which features a paper screen designed to minimize users' exposure to the blue light known to strain eyes and hurt healthy sleep patterns, reported its sales grew 50% from 2021 to 2022. The subreddit uh, Dumb Phones is home uh, to tens of thousands of members who trade success stories about the decisions to ditch their tiny, the tiny computers in their pocket for a more rudimentary alternative. No push in education has led to increased focus. Reduced anxiety and better time management. 
The lack of social media access also prompted him, this user, to cultivate physical relationships and friendships instead of online ones and avoid the doom scroll cycle that comes with constantly consuming news media. I'm all for that, baby. I'm thinking that's a pretty attractive alternative, don't you think? The only cons he listed were difficulty navigating bigger new cities without the aid of built-in GPS, which is how they, they track your every move, and no access to cashless payment methods, boo-hoo, uh, but of those he reasoned are minor inconveniences that can be quickly remedied with, yeah, like a frickin' credit card, okay? Like, you know, you gotta tap your phone. No, here, here's my card, okay? So, would you trade in your phone? Would you want just a phone that you can make phone calls on? Maybe had uh, your calendar, the weather, and uh, some sort of simplistic encrypted texting that was not shared on the servers. Okay, that like that you know, like some of the stuff that's out there. I think I would. I don't. I don't need all this crap on my phone. I don't need to be reached all the time. I don't need them spying on me. I think you'd like to share that article. Take, take a look at that article at WeThePeopleConvention.org and see if you might want to share it with family and friends over the holiday. It makes it an interesting discussion. Okay? Got a couple you know, more stories here before we wrap it up, but there's mostly some good news. DEI bites the dust in another red state. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt has taken aim at diversity, equity, and inclusion spending in higher education and state agencies signing an executive order on Wednesday that protects taxpayers from funding such programs. In Oklahoma, we're going to encourage equality, uh, equal opportunity, not equity, rather than the promising equal outcomes, Stitt said in a statement, encouraging our workforce, economy, and education systems to flourish means shifting focus away from exclusivity and discrimination and towards opportunity and merit. We're taking politics out of, out of education and focusing on preparing students for the workforce. State agencies and higher education institutions must review all DI post activities and programs to eliminate and dismiss non-essential personnel. Gut the DEI departments in these schools. You're fired. We don't need you. It's a hateful, racist ideology, as proven by the woke presence of those universities, those Ivy League president universities. Specifically, state funds cannot be used for programs or positions that grant preferential treatment based on one person's particular race, color, sex, ethnicity, or national origins over another. No one can be compelled to participate in any programs that do so, nor can they be required to sign or agree to any discriminatory loyalty oath. Individuals can also be, not be forced to state their pronouns. <laughs> All of our, our members in Oklahoma... You gotta, you gotta take time. Go to the governor's, you know, form, web form, and say, "Atta boy, write to your congressman in your state and say, this is how we fight back. Defund them. You're done. No DEI. It's a hateful ideology that we reject. That's how you win. Oklahoma, way to go. Make sure this is an ask. You give them a thumbs up." And tell them you're paying attention. You got to reward the people who do good. You can't just bitch about the bad. You got to do both, okay? So this story came up, which is interesting. Public employees leaving their union in record numbers. This has to do with that Janus decision from a few years back that was a big deal. 
This June marked the fifth anniversary of a landmark U.S. Supreme Court ruling recognizing that taxpayer-compensated employees cannot be forced to financially support a union as a condition of employment. Because what was going on in states like Ohio is that if if you were a public employee and you had a public union, you had to join. You were It was compulsory. And the Janus decision said, no, 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 you have a right to join or not join. Even though the union negotiates for your salary and all that, you, they, you, they can't force you to pay dues. In those five years, unions and lower courts have responded by trying their best to ignore or violate that ruling. Janus versus American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees in order to continue taking money out of government employee paychecks and using it to advance their far-left political agenda. And that's the point. The union dues weren't being used to negotiate your salary. It went to Democrats, Marxist, communist candidates to destroy our nation. That's why you know we you can't be in the, the the union. They're controlled by the communists. Okay, so why fund them? So Janus allows you to say, "Yeah, you're. I'm opting out." Despite the legal obstacles, the Freedom Foundation directly helped more than thirty-three thousand public employees leave their unions in 2023 alone. At the national average of $1,000 per year in government employee union dues, that amounts to more than $33 million this year that can't be used to fund the political activism of union leaders at the ASME, SEIU, and two national teachers union, National Education Association, and the American Federation of Teachers. Okay? So that's a good deal. But here's the problem. That's 33000 this year. Let's say for all five years, they, they, they got 33000 that's like 160,000 people that aren't paying union dues. There's 7.1 million people in public unions. And who pays those union dues? You think they do? I don't know. They negotiate their wages, right? With us, supposedly, the citizens. So we're paying them like 40% more than people in the public sector get paid. And in there is the dues. So again, remember how I said how you defeat the left? You defund them. Here's a, a classic case. They, you know, pass taxes to raise the salaries of government workers, which are represented by a Marxist-controlled union, so they can then steal our money and use it to elect people like Joe Biden. If you cut that crap out, they they have nothing. They have nothing. Just want you to understand the dynamic. Okay, this is a good story because it answers a question many of us have had. Thousands of blue state residents flock to Idaho, bringing conservative politics with them, says the data. Now, why do I say this is a, a question we've had? A lot of people are concerned that people moving to Texas from California, to Florida from California, or from New York State to Florida, that they're coming and they're bringing their liberal views. They're going to vote Democrat, okay? And there's some evidence of that. But this was really important. Data published by the Idaho Secretary of State's office shows that out of the nearly 119,000 people who recently moved to the state, 65% registered as Republicans compared to just 12% registering as Democrats. That's good news, folks. The data which was reviewed by Fox News Digital shows that out of roughly 20,000 Americans who moved from Washington State to Idaho, 62% registered as Republicans compared to 12% as Democrats, 24 as unaffiliated, and 2 as other. 
The percentage of registered Republicans originally from Washington who recently moved to Idaho is actually higher than the state's overall percentage of registered Republicans, which sits at 58%. Okay? So we weren't surprised to find the Republicans are moving to Iowa, excuse me, moving to Idaho. However, we were surprised to see just how overwhelming it was. Of those moving to Idaho, the majority of voters from 48 of the 49 other states are Republican. Republican Idaho Secretary of State Phil McRae told Fox News Digital. So that's interesting that these people who are moving out of these blue states are doing so as political refugees because they want freedom. And they're coming to your state because they're going to vote for that freedom. That's what we want to see, okay? So that's, I think, really good news. This was also good news. He's back. He's back, trends on X, as most censored man, Alex Jones, is allowed to speak on the platform again. Okay? This is an important story because Elon Musk ran a poll. Now, I'll put this in context. Because a lot of the Elon Musk is tied to what Tucker Carlson said. So Tucker Carlson interviewed Alex Jones on X. And wow, you want to see an interview, watch that one. Wow, okay. Tucker interviews Alex Jones. After that, Elon Musk ran a poll saying, reinstate Alex Jones on the platform? Yes or no? 70% of almost 2 million people said yes. And Musk said, the people have spoken, and so it shall be. And so on Sunday, Alex Schoen, you know, posted on his Twitter account for the first time, announcing he'd be doing an interview on the X spaces. His last tweet before that was September 6, 2018. He's been censored since 2018. The Sandpaper Voice Jones is one of the most reviled and beloved figures in media. In a inter- recent interview with Jones, Tucker Carlson called him the most censored man in media. He rivals Donald Trump in that category, that's for sure. So I, I was happy to see that. And in our, in our promo, I said we don't support Twitter and Facebook. We are on Twitter. You should be on Twitter because the war for free speech is being waged by Elon Musk on Twitter. And you need to support that. Okay? That's important. To hell with Facebook. Support Twitter. Okay, because he's doing stuff like this, and that's a big deal. And, you know, again, another important fight for freedom. Tucker Carlson, since he got fired at Fox, has been using Twitter, and he announced that he's starting his own network. Join the Tucker, the join Team Tucker, unlock all the new shows from Tucker and his team. This is the future of media, folks. If you want people who can tell you the truth, and can tell you what you, they think is the truth about our world, they can't be owned by a huge corporation, and they can't be ad-supported, or they will be manipulated, as we're seeing with Twitter, right? As we're seeing with Facebook, as we're seeing with the networks, with Newsmax, and all that. The pharmaceuticals own them. So when COVID came out, do you think they could report honestly on the vaccines? Hell no. The only way to do it is this way. Let's see. We support our. We urge you to support it if you want to keep your freedom. Okay. Only a pay service or donation support service like ours, like We the People Convention, can remain true to its mission. Former cable host Tucker Carlson announced on Saturday morning last week the launch of his new website, one that is certain to compete, uh, complete his phoenix-like rise out of the ashes that remain of Fox News. 
for the price of $70 per year or $9 a month, I think it was. TuckerCarlson.com is a new streaming platform that promises subscribers hours of exclusive members-only content hosted by Tucker Carlson. Carlson took to X to deliver the news. He said, quote, we've been out of work for seven or eight months now. Hard to know. Time flies when you're unemployed. But actually, we've been working in secret and producing an awful lot of material for months now, he continued. Interviews, etc. And all of that has, it has now found its way to TuckerCarlson.com. We're launching a brand new thing very soon, Carlson said. It follows, and we'd love to see you uh, on it. Carlson has been, by all measures, smashing it on X, posting long-form interviews with controversial subjects most of the mainstream media would prefer to ignore, including Andrew Tate, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and most recently, Alex Jones. Carlson's reports on sleazy oligarchs in Ukraine, half-demented 80-year-old John Kerry's climate claims, and the existence of UFOs have collectively garnered more than 40 million views just since November 28th. That's more than 3.6 million views each day. And that doesn't include the other videos he posted in the last 11 days. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Carson is clearly four, far more powerful after Fox News foolishly struck him down. And judging from the early reactions to the people of his website announcement, TuckerCarlson.com may just break the internet. Okay? This is a big deal. This is the future. But it's not that abnormal. Okay? Because think about it. When our country was founded, the the way that you had political discourse and free speech was through these flyers and pamphlets that they produced. Now, some of them were handed out, but these penny sheets, you'd pay a penny to get it. You were paying to hear from people that you agreed with. That's what we're going back to. The whole ad supported of TV killed us because they corrupted it. They sold you cigarettes, right? They sold you things they t- that we didn't want in our houses. But now, with the internet, we have a chance to get back to real journalism, real news, real important information, instead of propaganda and manipulation. And you gotta, you got to love this, folks. I, I, I laughed my ass off, and I'll link to this in our podcast page. So what does Tucker Carlson do, which shows he's really understanding it's about the grassroots? He hires one of those trucks with signs on it, and they went to CNN, NBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and put their billboard truck right in front of the door that said, corporate media is dead. Visit TuckerCarlson.com. You got to love it. And, and, and the story I'll link to has pictures of the, at CNN and all that stuff. He trolled them because they are dead. Folks, in five years, there is no CNBC. There's no MSNBC. There's probably no Fox News because no one's going to want to watch it because it's just propaganda. And we're going to move on to something that's better. Okay? So this is all great news. And we're, we're doing some important things. And you are part of it. I am part of it. We are part of it. You should be excited as we move into this Christmas season. Because so much good is happening. You need to tell other people about this podcast. And if there's something you want to see on the podcast, or if I made a mistake, or some article or video you want me to see, send me an email at info at we the people convention.org. Info at we the people convention.org. 
And I'll, I'll look in there. We, we answer every email we get. But share this message. Share this podcast. Share those stories that are on wethepeopleconvention.org. Go to the website. Sign up to get our emails and text messages. And most of all, download the phone app, the We The People Convention phone app, and install it. We just talked about dumb phones, but as long as you've got a smartphone, let's use it to our advantage. Okay? So, I hope you are personally getting excited about the Christmas holiday. It is a joyous time. I want you to reach out to family and friends. Talk to us. Call somebody up you haven't talked to in a long time. I know you're sending out Christmas cards, right? We sent out about 100 of them, and I wish I could send you all a Christmas card because I really want you all to have a Merry Christmas, and, and I want us to have the best 2024 of any year since 2019. We're going to have to work for that one. But in the meantime, gain strength from family and friends and the values that we all share and act in defense of your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity and trust in God's plan. Look at how he answered our prayers about the obstruction of official proceedings ruling and pray for the right decision on that, right? The court could say, no, they're right, and that would be devastating. I don't believe they're going to do that, but pray, okay? But never lose hope. I say to you guys all the time, the only way we lose is if we quit because we're right and we're better than them and we're smarter than them and we're tougher than them. And we're acting out of love of our country and our way of life and our values and our faith and our family and our community. And they're acting out of hate. You know, they have those little signs that says, love Trump's hate. Yeah, they're the haters, right? They're the racists. They're everything they call you. It's called projection. We talked about that a couple of shows ago. So have a smile on your face. Be a happy warrior. Don't doubt we're going to win, but make sure you fight. I hope that you have a good week. I hope that you'll be able to join me again next week, right before Christmas. I hope I'll be here with you. And I hope that, you know, we can really, really come out of Christmas feeling strong and powerful and ready to do the job that God asks us to do. Okay? We'll talk to you next Saturday. God bless you. God bless America. You've been listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski.